Hi, this is Dr. Steve Varga with another episode of the IDOC Focal Point Podcast. And today we'll be discussing a particularly challenging aspect of practice ownership, uh, but also one that's very important, and that's billing. And today I have with me Dr. Eric Botts. Dr. Botts owns Innovative Eye Clinics in Macomb, Illinois, along with three additional offices in West Central Illinois and Southeast Iowa. Uh, Dr. Botts is currently the immediate past president for the Illinois Optometric Association. He's the CEO of OBC Billing Specialists, a credentialing and insurance submission company catering to optometrists across the country. Uh, Eric has also presented more than 300 courses on coding and billing, ocular surface disease, and advanced instrumentation for diagnosis of retinal disease, and he's also published numerous articles in the Electrify Journal and Optometry Times. So that's a lot there, Eric. Thank you, welcome uh, for joining us, and it, it's great to have you here to talk about the topic of billing. Well, thank you, Steve. I, I, I appreciate the opportunity to, to, to speak with your, your group, to share some, some information, share some pearls on on things that I've experienced over the over the years, so I uh, really appreciate uh, being here. Perfect, perfect. So yeah, let's jump right in and, and um, tell us a little bit more about your service. Um, for offices that haven't used a third-party billing service but are interested, um, can you tell us a little bit about how that how it works? How does that process work? Sure, sure. So so outsourcing your billing, it can work whether you have an EMR. Um, or not. Even even if you're still on on paper charts, um, you can outsource your 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 billing services. And and you know most doctors that utilize an EM, EMR system, in which they enter the patient claim information their system, and from there OBC can can take over the claim submission process and make it much much easier for you and your staff. Uh, we start out the process by scrubbing the claim that uh, that you've. That the doctor has put into the system, uh, we're, we're we're looking to make sure that the diagnosis codes fit with the service codes. Um, we'll add modifiers. Modifiers are are a big stumbling block for for many doctors. I've I've always said that that you know modifiers are are a great way for insurance companies to keep their money uh, because if you if you don't use the modifiers correctly, uh, then then typically your claims are going to be submitted. And, and we'll also add, um, in, in a lot of claims, you require maybe uh, the referring provider information, especially for a lot of the, the supplementary tests that we perform. If by chance a claim is denied, it's going to be OBC's job to, to make the calls necessary and find out what needs to be done to submit a, a corrected claim and, and get the, uh, the claim paid for, 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 the, for the doctor. Once the claim is approved, then, then we will retrieve your EOBs uh, through your clearinghouse, and, and then we will post all payments uh, to your EMR, and then bill patients according to, to whatever the remaining balance is. And one thing that we add uh, to the bills that we send the patient is we put OBC's phone number on the bills so that if the patient has any questions about any bill that they receive, then they're going to call OBC directly and we will answer the questions. And, and that helps cut down on, on the interruptions that your staff may experience during the day to uh, ensure that they can focus on, on patient care. And, and 
to me, I think I think the billing service is really uh, crucial for for busy practices um, that uh, that need to to lighten the load for the staff and, and so that they can focus on on patient care. Yeah, I see that as a key as well. There says this opportunity cost of time. And, you know, when you've got a, I think you've got to consider that in the process of how much time are we spending internally to deal with billing versus if we didn't have to deal with that, or at least to that degree, um, that we could free up an employee or maybe more than one employee to do other things. Uh, what would they be able to do? You hit on that denial thing too, the, uh, cause that's where I, I see a big pain point it's kind of like things are going okay until they're not going okay. And when the denials start coming in and piling up, that's where I see a lot of offices really looking for um, help and maybe recognizing their lack of internal expertise. So, uh, so here, to outsource or not to outsource? And, and maybe that's just a continuation of what you were uh, talking about. But that, that's a question that comes up in a lot of offices. Should I just do this myself, handle it internally? or should I look to outsource this? So maybe you could just expand on that a little bit. When does it make sense to outsource your billing? And, and you may have answered this already, but it, is it always a viable option? So, you know, if, if, if the doctor's looking for peace of mind, that your cash flow is not gonna be interrupted, that, that all claims are gonna be paid, then, then I think outsourcing is probably the, the best, uh, best way to do that. Um, at, at OBC, we, we focus on the intricacies of the billing and credentialing process so that, so that doctors and their staff can really focus on patient care. Because that, that, that's really what it's all about, is provi providing excellent patient care. So, so no matter the practice setting, outsourcing that insurance billing can be a great benefit to your practice. Uh, for example, in the case of a, of a practice, and this is where we get a lot of clients, um, they they call in a panic because they've lost their billing person suddenly or or maybe they've had a couple of weeks notice but but all of a sudden now the the worry is is who's going to submit the claims because without the submission of your claims your cash cash flow really goes down significantly so when you lose that that experienced biller maybe that one that's doing a great job it's going to take you on on average several months just to get a new employee up to speed. And, and even in that case, you'd have to have somebody who knows the billing process to be able to train them. So training a new biller is, is a, a huge undertaking all by itself. And in the process of, of losing somebody, your cash flow is going down. Sometimes the, the, the situation can look pretty dire for, for, for doctors. And so obviously in situations like that, the, the easy fix is, is to outsource it uh, and so, so that you, you have a team of billing specialists working for you. In, in this case, you know, if, if, if at OBC, for example, if, if we lose an employee, we have a team of staff that are gonna pick up the slack. So even though we might lose somebody, uh, typically doctors don't know uh, that, that that's happened because we have people that are going to step right up and continue the service. So it, it's really for that peace of mind, that confidence that you're always going to have cash flow coming in uninterrupted. The other, the other case that, that you may have is, is when you have a, a really good billing 
specialists on staff. However, maybe they're overwhelmed. Maybe, maybe they've got too many other things, too many responsibilities, and and their 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 performance is suffering because they're being asked to do too much, and and uh, they get stressed out, and and all of a sudden your billing starts to suffer. You, your your income starts to drop off. Claims that are getting denied are, are not getting resubmitted. Um, every claim is not getting paid. So in those cases, we can typically take over, even, even for some offices, maybe it's just you just need help with your medical claims only. Uh, a lot of, lot of offices that we work with can submit their routine claims. They're, they're easy. They're fast. They can get it done. They don't take near the effort that the medical claims are. So, so in some cases, maybe you just need help with one or the other. If you just need help with, with the medical claims only, because those are the most difficult claims to, to, to submit, um, then, then we, can, we can help with just that and free up time for your employees to focus on the other duties, that, that, that patient care in, in, in the office. And we'll take care of any medical claim submissions because we ensure that, that all claims are paid and that is going to increase your, your revenue. We can provide the service at a, at a lower cost than what a typical doctor is gonna be paying an in-staff person in that you can save money on wages, on, on benefits that you have to provide to employees and your overhead, just the simple uh, need for, for a desk or office space. Um, all of these things we can help you save on uh, by, by outsourcing that, that billing process. Yeah, it's a, I, where I see most offices having a team, when you're referring to billing, it's usually not a team, right? A lot of times what I see is there's one person in there who's got experience with billing and a, a real lack of internal um, knowledge around that. And, and when that person quits, it it really leaves the office exposed to a lot of the problems you're talking about. And we also find that that's one position where one employee can really, you know, maybe it's a, not the, the perfect term for it, but kind of hold the owner hostage because if that person quits, the owner's aware that it could really throw things into an upheaval and take a long time to, to fill that person's um, uh, knowledge in, in that area. Um, so one word, moving on from that, one word that always gets people's attention, especially doctors, is audit. And I know that OBC offers chart auditing services, so I'd, I'd like to hear a little bit more about that and why that's, an, why that's essential to, to helping a practice survive an insurance-ordered audit. Yeah. So audits is, is always a hot topic. It's, it's uh, so ironic because just earlier this week, I was reading about the, 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 the eye doctor, the ophthalmologist down in, in uh, Florida, I think it was Florida, who's, who's charged and convicted of, I think it was like $73 million worth of Medicare fraud. So, you know, those are always the, 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 the cases that, that make the headlines that you read about that, that creates that, that concern, that worry about what happens if, if I'm ever audited? And, and we all experience that. And, and audits occur. They are reality. Insurance carriers 
are doing audits in order to get back uh, dollars that they paid out that they think they shouldn't have paid out. Um, and that's that's the audit that, that everybody is, is worried about, is that carrier-ordered audit um, where, where they're trying to find overcharges and, and then have recoup them with interest and penalties. I see that probably some of the more common audits that, that uh, we experience besides just the medical audits are actually the routine vision plans. Um, they do a, 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 a lot of audits on doctors as well. And, and I know a lot of doctors that have experienced uh, a, a routine vision plan audit uh, as well as medical insurance carrier audits. Um, so what I suggest is, is you need to you need to maybe do a practice run. You need to go through an audit where it's not being a carrier uh, ordered audit, but, but an audit that you, the doctor, actually order yourself. And so that the results of the audit come back to you just like they would with a, a carrier ordered audit as far as where the errors that you may be making in both documentation and the coding of claims. But, it, but it, this allows you when, you, when you do a doctor ordered audit, to be a little proactive. And I, and I think what that shows you is basically how well are you doing? Are, are you documenting the exam and, and submitting the proper procedure codes and office visit codes um, that, that are uh, being, being well documented? And so you're accurately submitting your claims. And that, that's really the goal is to, to accurately submit your claims, not, not under code. And, and of course, not overcode your claims, but to accurately uh, code code them. And and so going through a doctor ordered audit allows you feedback. It's going to give you a good idea on what you're doing right, and and where you might be a little bit weak as far as your documentation goes. And it's it's especially I think beneficial for multi doctor practices. From a, from, a, from a patient standpoint of making sure that your doctors are consistently documenting and performing the same exam. And, and an example I can give you is, is I've, I've done audits for several larger practices where, where doctors, uh, the concern was that maybe a, a family of patients comes in and they're not, when, when, they, when they are all done with the exam and they get out to pay for everything, they find out that, uh, you know, one member of the family is, is billed a different amount than, than other members of the family. And they really felt like they all got the same exam. And, and it's simply because doctors are not consistent with their coding. And, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that doctors just don't completely understand the process on determining what level of exam have we have they performed, and so a doctor ordered audit will will hopefully get practices consistently submitting uh, the same exam, the same fee when the same exam is is performed. Yeah, it just really it. it just really amounts to accuracy, making you more accurate, uh, making you more accountable uh, for for the uh, the coding process, and, and it really gives you a, a, a great feeling of confidence so that if you ever are audited by an insurance carrier, you can even then show 
that you have done your diligence, that you've had a, a, a audit performed because you wanted to know that you were doing things accurately. And, and I do both insurance carrier audits and doctor audits because I'm actually a, a, a medical director for one of the insurance carriers here in, in Illinois. And so I do doctor ordered audits and, I, and, and there, it's, this, the process is very similar for me. Uh, and so I give doctors a very, very accurate feedback on, on what they could probably expect from an insurance carrier audit. Yeah, I, certainly I can see a lot of value in getting in, in front of the problem and the consistency part too. I, I hadn't considered that as much, but with mul multiple doctors working in the same practice, um, getting that third party feedback so everyone's on the same page, um, a lot of value with that as well. Eric, are you seeing? You know, one other thing. Go ahead. I'm sorry. One other thing. One other thing I'd add to that, Steve, is what I have found with the doctor-ordered audits is that doctors are typically leaving money on the table. Um, too many doctors are undercoating their exam, uh, and 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 not getting reimbursed reimbursed the full amount for the exam. They're, they're leaving dollars on the table. That that is probably an important aspect of a doctor-ordered audit as well. Is is that that you can be confident you're getting paid 100 percent of what uh of, of what you're owed for the services you provide yeah so, so there's some risk avoidance there and maybe it's not always aligned with what you should be doing but i i hear that as well um and i, I probably hear a little bit more in context of associate ods where there might be a an owner who's more comfortable and obviously they have more of a vested interest in the success you know the financial success of the practice they want to bill appropriately as well, but sometimes you'll hear from them that an associate isn't billing at the level they feel that they should, and, and some of that is just concern and um, a risk over the feeling yeah. like they're overbilling, overcoding, or going to somehow get in trouble for what they're doing. So again, I guess it brings them back to just an understanding of uh, correctly coding so people are more confident to code and bill yeah. where they should be. That That's a great, great comment because I, I I have multiple offices and and I actually audit my doctors on a, on a yearly basis to make sure that they are accurately uh, coding their exams because you know the one thing that you need to realize is is if you make an error on a claim um, uh, for for a a an insurance ordered audit if you make one error say with one modifier or 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 documentation on one procedure if you have multiple procedures on that claim let's say you do a, an office visit plus photos plus visual fields and gonioscopy you can make one error and do everything else correct the whole claim is going to be denied and you're going to reimburse the whole claim even if you get 90% of it correct and 10% is done incorrectly you're you could be financially liable for hundred percent of that claim Mm -hmm. Are you seeing more audits and fines these days? I'm, I'm, I'm hearing that there are. I, I, I assume that to be true, but I'm not sure if it is. And, and you know, what we talked about uh, to this point is, is getting in front of the problem. But what happens when you actually are audited? And I think this is one of those cases where the, you know, as they say, the cover-up is sometimes worse than the crime. You know, just being right. transparent with what you've done wrong working with the auditors but but i'm, I'm curious about that are, is there this increase in audits are, are they the auditors being more aggressive there and and if you do get audited 
um, and there's some problems, what, what should you do? How should you approach that? So as far as the, the sheer number of audits, I do think they're increasing. Uh, and, and I think they're increasing in smaller practices because when, when audits became a, a hot topic several years ago, most of the audits were focused on hospitals and large group practices because that's where those were the big fish. Those were the, the, the big dollars. But I think over time, those larger offices, those hospitals are, are, are being, their audits are being completed. The auditors are then moving down the chain to smaller practices. So I do think in the future, I think that, that we, we, we all can, can probably expect at some point in time in our career to have some form of a, an audit done on, on our uh, uh, patient files. Uh, so I, I do think that that's, that's definitely a possibility. And if that happens, then, then I think if you are audited, I, I think the best thing that you can do is answer the audit as, as honestly and truthfully as you possibly can, that you give them exactly what they ask for, but nothing more. If, if there, there's no reason to send them anything that they're not asking for, if, if they're asking you to submit 10, 10 files, then submit exactly the information they're, they're, they're looking for. Um, and, and if you've made errors, don't try to cover them up, okay? Um, the, the, the honesty is definitely the best policy. Typically, auditors are, are, are not out to get you, you know? They're doing a job, and their job is is fairly objective to them. They know exactly what they're looking for, what should be there, and if it's not, then they're they're going to bring that to your attention. Oftentimes, an audit will result in in instruction on how to do better, and then a lot of times you can expect to be audited again in the, in the future to make sure that you've corrected the the issues that uh, that were addressed now you know one thing that i think will, will make all doctors sleep better is that you know most insurance carrier audits are are not going to result in a doctor losing their license or, or going to, to to jail um in 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 the uh, mat, matter of the doctor that i talked about at the beginning of this question you know with with the 70 plus million dollar um, in, in Medicare fraud. If you are purposefully submitting fraudulent claims, then you've got a lot to be worried about. But what I have found is there, there is a very, very small percent of medical healthcare providers, including optometrists, that are actually purposely trying to commit fraud and purposely trying to submit fraudulent claims. Those are the doctors that, that they need to be very concerned if, if they're audited because they will be caught and, and they will be, be punished accordingly. But if you're making mistakes because you just don't know better, because you're ill-informed on the proper documentation and coding uh, uh, policies, then you, know, you, you may be fined and you may have to pay some back, but it should also be a learning experience for you to, to help you do better in the future. And I think really that's that's probably the, the main goal of, of a lot of the, 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 the audits that you might experience is 
you know, they want to make sure you're doing it right, that they're not overpaying you. Uh, and, and so, um, I don't think you have to worry about losing your license. Eric, one last topic I'd like to um, discuss with you is credentialing, which has been another hot topic lately, at least with uh, members, uh, the ODs that I've talked with. Uh, members who are getting, and I'm referring to IDAC members, getting denied access to panels. And many cases now, trouble getting a live person to talk with. I, I don't know if this is budgetary cuts back with the insurance with cutbacks with the insurance, but it, it just seems like I'm hearing more and more that I'm, I'm trying, I can't get a hold of anybody at the insurance companies. So what are you hearing about this? And is that something, how, how does OBC help in this area? So, so I would say all of that is true. The, the credentialing process is a very time consuming process that takes a lot of, of diligence and it takes a lot of persistence to get your applications processed by by a number of the insurance carriers what you need to understand is that the credentialing process is actually two two twofold um, and sometimes threefold and in some instances you you submit a a pre-application in which they'll the insurance carrier will tell you what other information they they need and then you will submit an application and then once again, you need to follow up to see what additional information may be needed. Unfortunately, credentialing is not a, a black and white process where every insurance carrier requires the same information. In fact, it's far from that uh, and, and, and maybe even opposite of that. All insurance carriers can, can require different information. So it's your job to get them the correct information it's your job to persist and make sure that if they need anything additional, that you can, you can provide it for them. Once the application is received and processed and approved, you would think that at that point, uh, your job is done. But now after that, the second part of getting on an insurance uh, panel is to have your contract uh, uh, um drawn up and then you have to sign that contract that comes after the credentialing process and that's what will tell you what patients you're going to be able to see because for for a number of of insurance panels out there they have different um entities to the insurance some have ppo some have hmo some have both sometimes your credentials and your contract is going to be only for ppos um, and not the HMO. So even though you think you're a Blue Cross Blue Shield provider, you may not be able to see every Blue, Blue, Cross, Blue, Blue Cross Blue Shield plan. Um, so you've got to read your contract. And, and I, I can, cannot emphasize enough that when you do get that contract, make sure you read it and you understand it, uh, because that's the second half of the process. And you know, the, the, the issues that I run into all the time with the credentialing process is, you know, doctors are ready to see patients now. And so they want to get started, but they really have to wait until the credentialing process is complete in most cases to be able to see patients, especially with routine vision plans. Um, there, there's no backdating of claims. Typically, you, you've got to wait until the process is complete and you've got a signed contract that's when you know that the process is complete and not until that contract is 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 done so 
you, you, it is difficult to get a hold of people. It is difficult. Uh, my, my, my team will tell you, we, they will sit on, on the phone for, for 45 minutes to an hour sometimes trying to get all the information they need. Unfortunately, that's just part of the process. Um, why does it take so long? Uh, well, you'd have to ask the insurance carriers, but, but the one thing I will tell you is they're all concerned about fraud. They're all concerned about uh, credentialing somebody who actually isn't a doctor or who may be submitting fraudulent uh, claims. So they feel like they have to do their due diligence. And the other thing about it is, is you know, the more doctors they, ha they have on their panel, the more claims they have to, to, to pay out, the less profitable they're going to be. So I, I, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty certain that uh, they're not in a huge hurry to credential as many doctors as they possibly can because it's going to cost them money if they do. Eric, this has been great. Very insightful. And um, thank you for all your time today. Um, OBC is a, a vendor partner of IDOC. And um, they've been a great resource to have for billing-related matters. Eric, I know I reach out to you a lot in particular, sure. um, but they've been a great resource um, with, with billing re related matters that, that come up with our member practices um, on a pretty consistent basis. So how can people find out more about your company? So you, you, can, uh, you can definitely go to our website, uh, claimdoctor.net. Um, you can, you can um, email myself at uh, drvision at claimdoctor.net, and you can also reach out to my uh, director of, of, of new business, and that uh, is Kenny Meyer, and he will, uh, he can answer all of your questions and, uh, and, and give you all the details. You can reach him at, at kmeyer, M-E-Y-E-R, at claimdoctor.net, um, and you can also, uh, Call him at 309-255-0497. 309-255-0497. Perfect. Thank you. Well, thanks again. Um, and this is Steve Vargo with IDOC. And thanks once again to our guest, Dr. Eric Botts. And we will see you on the next Focal Point podcast. Thank you, Eric. Thank you. My pleasure.